Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Offense, it can happen so quick and so easy and... My wife would say to me, Jay, you sometimes, like, I'm fairly unaware kind of of, of some of those things sometimes, like lots of guys. Um, but she's like, Jay, you have no idea when you're offending people. And sometimes I have no idea when, you know, um, I should be offended sometimes too. And Carla's like, you should be offended. You know, and I'm like, what? Well, I don't know. We're all good. And... I remember a few years ago, this is a bunch of years ago now, as a pastor, you know, you have those moments in church when you just fully offend lots of people, and, and I've had lots of those. And I remember I used to be the guy who would, we were, we were pastoring in Northern Ontario, you kind of did it all, and, and I was the one who made the bulletin each week. And so, you know, I'd, you know, get going on my computer, and, and you know, my grammar is not the best in the whole world, or my spelling, and sometimes I don't proofread things the way that I probably should, and so, you know, I was quickly getting this thing, and, and so we had this event for our senior ladies, and it was at this camp called Silver Birch's Camp, and it was just north of where our church was, and, and somehow, some way, I don't know how it happened, but Silver Birch, the urch, got changed to itch on my computer. And I had no idea that that had taken place. And so I had the bulletin, I passed out, and all the, and it was in big letters, you know, it was like this big thing across. And so I'm inviting all of our senior ladies to uh, silver, yeah. So I had all these ladies get cranky at me and I had no idea. And they're like, I'm preaching and they're like, you know, like I can just see it. I'm like, what is wrong? You know, and so then, once again, I didn't really look at it too closely. And the next week, I used the same bulletin as my template, and I did it again. <laughs> and I had this sweet elderly lady, and she came up to me. She's like, Pastor, you know, we don't like to be called that. And I was like, What? And she's like, Look. And I was like, Oh. <gasps> An offense. You know, it takes a while to walk through some of that with people, you know what I mean? And when you've offended people, when you, you know, and they're like, oh. And so after that, I'm like, I'm never doing the bulletin again, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's easy to get offended. It's easy to offend people. We, you know, sometimes there's just, like, goofy things like that that happen. But sometimes it's serious stuff. And sometimes it's things that actually, you know, can harbor for a long time and sometimes can hurt. Jesus, in his longest sermon um, that we have recorded, of Matthew's gospel, and it starts chapter 5, and, and we read through chapter 8, actually. But he takes at the beginning, right off the bat, on his kind of biggest message. And some of you would say, wow, like Jesus' longest recorded sermon is only like three chapters. Jason, you could learn something from the brevity of Jesus. But, but um, uh, as he speaks, and he says this, he starts with the idea of, hey, you know, just setting the context before we start in this passage, he says, you know that murder is wrong, basically. And, you know, it doesn't, 
it doesn't take somebody with a huge moral compass to be able to say, okay, I get that. Like, that is wrong. But then he goes on to say this. He says, but I tell you this, that anyone who's angry, in other words, or the, the word here is like to harbor illness toward, anyone who harbors illness toward their brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, I say, anyone says to a brother or sister, Raka, then some of you would say, well, I've never called my brother or sister, I've never called my buddy like Raka before. Raka just means, basically it means, uh, it comes from an Aramaic word, and it means to be an imbecile or someone who's lesser or someone who doesn't, uh, isn't capable of. In other words, you're looking at someone and say, you are just despicable, you're made poorly. It's about identity. It's speaking to someone's identity. It says, if you call your brother Raka, if you call your sister Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, there's a few words used for hell in Scripture, and this one here refers to actually, it's actually a physical location that they would all be uh, familiar with. It was on the outside of Jerusalem, and it was an area that used to, in history, even before Jesus wrote this, it was an area that they, uh, in pagan worship to, to Molech, uh, people would sacrifice babies, like the worst of the worst, despicable, like awful things, and they'd, they'd long since stopped that practice, but then as a way to, to remember how awful things were, they kept it as a garbage jump that was had a fire that was continually lit and it was this fire that was burning all the time and and, and so they would speak to it and they said you know what when you're like that it's like your life is ashes in a dump just a burning nastiness about your life Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and re-reconcile, then come offer your gift to God. He says, this is how serious offense is. That if you think your relationship with God, your vertical relationship, so to speak, you know, you come and you worship, if you've got something horizontally, you need to deal with that first. That the relationship like this, the horizontal relationship with those around you is so important that it's actually when you come and worship that you need to deal with this before you can get this right. And some of you have been trying to find God, but you've never dealt with any of the relationships here. And God's saying, listen, it's so important. Go deal with that. And then there'll be a greater this. And Jesus, this is Jesus speaking here. And he's telling people, leave the worship service and deal with this so that you can get this right in your life. That offense is such a big deal. That it's something so important. Actually, in Luke 17, 1, it says, Jesus speaking, he says, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to the person whom they come. The word for offenses is an interesting word. It's this Greek word, um, it's scandalion. And this word, uh, you know, you can get the idea of scandal comes from it. But actually the root word of that is the idea of a trap. 
It's the bait in a trap. And it's basically saying that offense um, to the Greek uh, in this time, in this age, when you use this word, it basically was like they would get the idea of, of a trap. Now, I borrowed from Brian uh, Best, one of our young men that was here at community. He's just moved recently. But, but um, this old animal trap, kind of the most gruesome of kind of instruments you could imagine, you know? And the idea around offense is this, that, that it's like a bait in a trap. It holds us in. And I, you know, I could use this this morning, get you to put your finger in. And she's like, no way. <laughs> but the idea is it would hold you in. It's something that holds you captive. Uh, another idea would be they've used, they translate this word as a stumbling block sometimes. It's this thing that holds you captive. This idea of offense in your life. Listen to what it says in Matthew 24. It says, Jesus is speaking here. He says, in the last days, in the last days, many will be offended. In other words, many will take the bait, the scandalion, the, the, will set the trap, so to speak. Many will be offended. Don't we live in that era today? Like, you can't say anything without people being offended. That, that it's like, you know, offense is just kind of rampant in our society. People will betray one another and will hate one another. Hmm. Yeah, I think that happens. And because lawlessness will abound, the min, love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. In other words, you know what? If you don't take the bait, if you don't take the scandalion, the offense. If you don't take that bait, oh, we say there's a freedom over your life. There's goodness that'll come as a result of not taking that bait, not letting that offense uh, pull into your life. Ephesians 4 verse 2 and 3 says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, listen to this, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That in fact in our lives, that there's, there's an intentionality, this eagerness, this idea of saying, you know what? I'm not just gonna hope unity happens in my life, but instead I'm gonna be intentional, that the bait is there, that the enemy is trying to do his best in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, with your kids, with your uh, co-workers. He's doing the best that he can to try and throw that bait in front of you. But over your life, you need to say with eagerness, in other words, with intentionality, I am going to try and maintain the bond of peace and unity within my household. That I'm not just gonna hope it happens, but in fact, I'm gonna be intentional. I'm gonna be eager. I'm gonna work towards it. I'm gonna be intentional around this idea of not falling for the trap. I'm not gonna get the bait and take the bait, the scandal on the offense in my life. Proverbs 19 and 11 says this. Good sense makes a man restrain his anger. You know, it's wise to not just fly off the handle. And listen to this, and it's to his glory to overlook a transgression or offense. Do you know it's to your glory to overlook, to not take the bait, to not take the scandalion, to not, you know, set off the trap, so to speak. Offense. 
the church isn't um, the church isn't devoid of offense. In fact, I see it happen all the time. And the enemy wants nothing more because he wants to rob, kill, steal, destroy. He wants to set the trap all around. That, that, that he wants to have us take that, that offense, that scandalion, on, and just hold us back from the good things that God wants to do in our lives. Look at Scripture and see some evidences of the trap, so to speak and expressions of offense in Scripture. You, you see the first uh, bit, and I just chose four different ways that I see. Oftentimes, I see offense take root in my own life and in others. Right in Genesis, Cain and Abel, and Abel offered a sacrifice, and Cain was upset about it and said, oh, you know, you tried to make, upstage me with your sacrifice before God. And, and so he got upset, and what did he do? He responded in revenge, and in violence. And how many times do we see that? You know what I mean? You did this to me, so I'm going to get you back. You know, you did that, and so I, I, I'm going to plot revenge, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to physically, you know, kind of do something. This rage and revenge kind of thing. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah said that he was offended by the actions of the people. And what did he do? He decided to withdraw himself. It said that I pushed everybody away. How many times have you done that? That you're like, you know what? I've other people have offended me, so I'm going to become an island. I'll just, I'll insulate myself from those around me so that offense can't happen again. I'll just, I'll push those around me back. I'll, I'll push back relationships in my life, and we withdraw. In Luke 15, we see the story of the prodigal son, and, and as Jesus illustrates this, this story, we see the prodigal, he goes off and, and takes his family fortune and squanders it, but then he comes back, and the father welcomes back. In fact, the father throws this huge party and says, whoa, my son who was away comes back, and this is great, and everyone's excited about that, and everyone has a party to celebrate him coming back, except for one person, the prodigal son's brother. And the prodigal son's brother's like... I've been here and faithful the whole time and you're celebrating that this is unfair. And out of that offense, it says that he, he wouldn't even go into the party. It's like, here's my ball. I'm gonna take it and go home. I'm gonna pout. My wife would say I pout sometimes. Mm, not fair. Oh, it's me. Oh. Some of you have got into that mode of just like whining, pouting, complaining. Not fair. The other way I see with offense, the Pharisees. Jesus, he reaches out to the marginalized. Jesus reaches out to those. And in fact, just by showing love to those that the Pharisees won't, it exposes the motives of the Pharisees' heart. And they're so upset by it. Their reaction to this offense is they try and cut down Jesus. They criticize. They put down. They try and bring down, and you know how you've seen that so many times where people are like, well, let me just, let me mock somebody else. Let me make fun of, let me criticize, let me bully somebody else so that I can look like the deal. Offense, the scandalion. How many times have you taken one of those expressions of offense? How many times have you walked with one of those expressions of offense? And, and let me tell you, it's easy to do so. So how do we avoid the trap? How do we avoid the scandalion in our lives? A couple things I see from Jesus' teaching here. Number one is that we have to take it to Jesus first off. 
He says, in the context of when you come before me and realize that you have something against someone, then you need to leave and go deal with it. In other words, there's something about when we come in the context of worship that when we come before God, it exposes the motives of our heart. It exposes, and so many times when we're offended, we want to take it to everybody else first, you know? Let me take it to my neighbor. Let me tell everybody else. Let me tell you how they offended me. Let me tell you how they hurt me. But what if we took it to Jesus first? What if we came before the Lord and started to understand, wow, you know how much we've been forgiven? If you begin to understand how much we've been forgiven in the grace on our lives, then it's like, it's pretty hard to like not forgive those around us, you know? Uh, I think when we come before Jesus, it reminds us of the blessing that comes from forgiveness, that we actually like receive freedom over our lives when we choose to release those around us in forgiveness. It reminds us of where our identity comes. Usually it speaks to a greater identity issue. We, we're reminded that, you know what, God, you, no matter what anyone else does to us, no matter what anyone says about us, no matter what, our identity comes from you. Our identity doesn't come in what we have or the name brands on our clothes. It doesn't come by what friends we have. Our identity doesn't come in the position uh, at work we have. It doesn't come in anything else but who you say over us. You know what I've found is when people are ticked, they very rarely want to just come in prayer and take it before Jesus. You know, uh, sometimes when people come and they're angry about stuff at the church or, you know, in settings where it's like Christian people that I can actually push them towards Jesus in, you know? I'm like, okay, whoa, 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 like when people are really angry. I'm like, whoa, hold it. Let's just pray about this. And they're like, no, I don't want to pray about it right now. And they're mad, you know what I mean? And I'm like, whoa, 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 let's just pray. And even I find it with my kids, you know what I mean? When my kids are really ticked, I'm like, whoa, hold on for a second. Let's just pray about this. No one wants to do that because they know that when they do and they bring it before God, God will reveal stuff to their heart, you know what I mean? The next time you have a fight with your spouse, the next time you're ticked at work, the next time that you're ticked about something with somebody, what would happen if you just first, before you went to anyone else, just said, Lord, okay, I need to, Lord, I need to seek you on this. Give me wisdom to move forward. And then God will send you out to those, those people and God will push you to deal with that. In Psalm 119, 165, it says, great peace have those people who love your law. In other words, recognize the truth from you, God. It says, nothing shall offend them. Isn't that amazing? Actually, when we come before God and abide by him, that'll almost make us offense-proof to those around because we'll begin to understand who God is in our lives. The man or woman who doesn't forgive has forgotten the price that Christ has paid for them on the cross. We need to take it to Jesus, number one. Secondly, when you're the scandalion, when the, when the bait is there, take it to Jesus, but secondly, learn to respond well. See, I find myself, oftentimes I react rather than respond. You know, if someone does something to me, I'm like, oh, I'm mad, and you know, you would just want to react to that versus say, okay, God, Help me to have a grace-filled response to this. God, help me to respond in a manner in which you would. Lord, help me to choose to de-escalate. God, help me to process my anger. My dad 
I've told you many stories like this before, but my dad always had this line, and I hated it when I was a kid, but it was always there. He's like, Jay, every problem, every situation, you have two cans that you come into with. You have a can of gas, you got a can of water. You can, you know, put the gas on the fire and, or you can choose to put the water on it. I remember this week, or actually it was two weeks ago, um, brought me back to a story. I used to work for my dad on the counter at his store. It was Beaver Lumber at the time. And I was working at Beaver Lumber and and I would work on the contractor desk. And dealing with contractors, every your contractor, you know, you know this out there. There's some that, you know, there's some challenges sometimes. There's the odd shady character out there. And um, so I was dealing with this one contractor who was like very shady. We'll put it that way. And, and he came and he'd ordered, he was doing a big condo development and he ordered these special shingles and, and they were the cheapest ones. They were Ico 15-year shingles. And they were the, literally the cheapest shingles you could buy at the time. And they're just regular three-tab shingles, and he'd ordered kind of a special color. And, and so he'd written me a note about this. And, and so after I got those in for him and they'd done the job, this is a while later, like a couple weeks later, he comes in and he's furious with me one day, and he's got his customer with him, the person that he's building one of these condo units for. And apparently the customer had been around the job site and had found some of the, you know, was cleaning up and had found one of the packages of the shingles and saw that it was 15-year shingles on there. Now, that was the cheapest shingle of the day. And I, apparently he'd told the customer that he'd put 40-year shingles on the house. And, you know, it had kind of exposed. And so he then blamed me and said, oh, you ordered the wrong thing. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And I had the note from him, and I remember emphasizing, even talking about this. I'm like, are you sure you want this? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I was mad. I was ticked. And he was embarrassing me. And he was calling me incompetent. He was saying, you know, the only reason I had the job was I was the boss's kid, and I was the worst. And, and he's doing it in front of everybody and making this big spectacle. I was so mad. Oh, I'm going to show you. And I remember I went into my dad's office to kind of you know, tell him how justified I was. And I was so ticked. And my dad's like, Jason, you got a can of gas, you got a can of water. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to blow the whole thing up. I just, you know, I said, whoa, it's going to be an explosion. It's going to be. And he's like, Jason, can of gas, can of water. Ah, water, you know. It wasn't that you just roll over, but at the same time, you know, you certainly just process. And I remember being so mad, and I felt like my dad was like, fast forward the story 20 years. And two weeks ago, I happened to go in and see my dad. I was picking up some stuff for the church at my dad's store, and just as I was in the store, who would come in but that same contractor? And he's like, Jason, how's it going? And immediately, you know, your brain goes back to that story. <sighs> Should have blown the whole thing out. <laughs> and then as he's talking a little bit and how church is going and blah, 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 and he said, pulled me aside and he began to tell me about some tough stuff in his marriage and some stuff in his business. And then he asked me if I could pray for him. And yeah, okay. As I begin to pray for him, I, the Lord is like, aren't you glad you used the can of water that day? Because this moment never would have come. 
And sometimes we don't see that it's going to be 20 years before it actually comes to fruition. That actually, if you take the bait, it's going to harm something that God has planned way down the road. That if you take the scandal on and you think you deserve and you think it's okay and you think, oh, that bait looks so good, I just want to respond well. You know, I've started to have a practice where, you know, like, you know, when you're angry and you write that email back just to sit on it for, for 24 hours, and then I get my wife to read it, and Carla's like, well, you cannot send this, and I'm like, okay, okay. And actually, with our staff, I've actually pushed it a little step further and said, you know, when people are upset, never send an email back. Actually, pick up the phone or call or go see them. Learn to respond well. Learn to respond well in the midst of it. Take it to Jesus, respond well. Third, analyze your offense. Why am I actually offended and hurt? What's the thing? Uh, when you begin to analyze and look through it and, and ask yourself, uh, is my expectation appropriate or is it inappropriate? Is there some entitlement in my own life that needs to be dealt with? Is there insecurities that they've hit the button on and I'm actually responding out of my insecurity rather than who I am in Christ? Is there some issues that I need to process through here? And then secondly, as I analyze it, Lord, what's the root cause with that person? See, that's an amazing prayer when you begin to pray and say, Lord, you know, sometimes God will show me and say, you know what? That very thing you want to freak out about is actually something that they need encouragement in. You know, that person that looks like they're so cocky and arrogant, sometimes it's actually insecurity and you actually need to bless them and build into that rather than freak out. You need to analyze your offense and say, is this a hill worth dying on in my life? Is this something worth being really offended about or am I just, you know, kind of being childish right now? You know, Carla sometimes reminds me with my kids, you know, Jason, you are the parent, you know. They're 12 and 14. I'm, oh, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Analyze the offense. Take it to Jesus, respond well, analyze your offense, and then finally this morning, push forward. You know, I've met so many people that so much of their life, so much of their time has get involved in the offense. They just circle the wagons time and time again. You know, it's so much of their, their focus is, is encircling the wagons and the offense. So much of their joy has been sucked away by circling the wagons of that offense. And just, whoo, it's kept them there. That just like that scandal on that bait, that trap, the enemy has used it to, to paralyze you from the good things God wants to do through your life. The enemy's used that to paralyze you from moving forward. This week, I was, one of the guys that I kind of follow on Instagram is Craig Rochelle. He's a pastor of a huge church in the United States called Life Church. I love their church because they give everything that they produce away. They're actually the ones who created the YouBible app uh, that I encourage you guys to download. I've had 250 million people download their app from their church, which is kind of cool. But as I was scrolling through his little Instagram thing this week, I'm he had this quote, and as I was preparing my sermon, I thought, oh, that just, just hit me. It was so good. He said, life is too short, and your calling's too great to live offended. 
Your life is too short and your calling is too great to live offended, to let an offense hold you back from the good things God has for you. You know, I had this lady at the church. She was like one of our all-star leaders. Started into things here at Community, and she was just involved in everything. She had great relationships. She was so connected with others. And it was just like this picture of like what you wanted someone to walk in like. And then over time, as she developed these close relationships with others, she got offended by somebody and was, was deeply offended. And I didn't even understand, but, but she was offended, and she just, she stopped hanging around with them, and she actually, she like, you're dead to me, and she would just like avoid them. Well, another six months went by, and then it was with somebody else. And then another six months went by, and it was somebody else, and then it was somebody else, and then it was somebody else. So much so that she stopped even talking to like, she just come in and, and she stopped her involvement because there was all these other people that there's involvement with and, and it just, and you could just see it. And then she hung around with my wife Carla a lot and, and then she got offended one day about something that we didn't even understand. And as you walk through with people, holds you back. And I look at this life and I think so much talent, so much gifting, so much potential. And you've let it steal your joy. You've let it steal your effectiveness. You've let it steal your purpose over your life. All because of offense. You've taken the bait. The enemy's put it out in front of you. That scandalous owner's there. And you've saw it and you whoof. And it snapped you up and it's held you back. And some of you in your families and some of you in your neighborhoods and some of you in your careers, it's held you back from the good things God wants to do. And you just need to push forward. Your life is too short. Your gifting and calling is too great to be spoiled by offense. Don't take the trap. Don't take the trap. And I can't think of any greater season than Christmas. And as Jesus says, if you come before him like this and you know you need to deal with somebody, then go do whatever's necessary. Stop what you're doing. It's that important. Deal with it so that you can experience this in a greater way. Do we need to... Have you, have you taken the bait? And this morning you just need to surrender that to the Lord in a new way. Can we pray? God, this morning, we just come before you. God, I confess so many times I, I take the bait. I know I shouldn't, but I do. And Lord, today, I just pray over this church family. Lord, your word says that where there's unity, you actually command blessing. And so, God, this morning, we just... Lord, I want your blessing commanded over this house. Lord, I want your blessing commanded over each marriage, over each relationship, over every uh, kid with their parent. And Lord, I just, Lord, today I pray, God, Lord, that, that where the offense has been taken, where the bait, uh, Lord, we just, we surrender it to you, God. Lord, we take it to you today. Lord, help us to respond well. Help us to work through that offense. And if there's any insecurity issues or, or, or entitlement issues that we need to deal with, and Lord, help us to push forward with the good things that you would have for our lives. And so, God, we pray this morning, just with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in the house and you say, Jay, I, 
I got some of those things that I need to just, I need to just take to Jesus today. I need help with. I, I've taken the bait. I've fallen for the trap. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you in the house, and just kind of look up and say, Jay, would you just be praying for me? Yeah. Lots of us in the house today. Lord, you see these ones, God, we just, we, we speak your grace over situations. God, we speak to the root of things. Lord, help us to deal with. Lord, we, we just pray right now, freedom, God, from that bait, from that, that trap of offense right now. And we speak, Lord, newness in your name, oh God. In your name, we pray. Amen. This morning, just uh, before you go, Maybe Kat, if you can help me out. Kat's gonna come around this morning. I was trying to think of bait, and I didn't really want to give you like a trap. So I asked my daughter, and she's like, give everyone a mouse trap. I'm like, mm, no. So I was trying to think of bait. So here's what we have. We got some gummy worms, you know. Yes, it's cheesy. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you just to slide one of these packages into your pocket. They're extra good when they're like hot from the day. And here's what I want you to do tonight sometime, just when you're by yourself, if you can just pray and say, God, just as you eat a couple of these little gummy worms, God, is there some bait that I've taken that I need to surrender to you? Is there some offense that I've let creep in? And then also, Lord, give me a game plan for dealing with some of this offense. Maybe this Christmas season, I, I don't want to minimalize those offenses in your life. Some of them are big and some of them are hurtful and some of them are hard. But I believe God's grace is big enough to give you a game plan to get through that offense. Thanks for being with us this morning. If you'd like prayer, some of our prayer leaders, I'm just going to invite you across the front. We'd love to pray with you. If not, have a great week. Remember, next Sunday, choose your own adventure morning. So 8 30 a.m. is going to be our carols and kind of more traditional style. Uh, our, our 10 o'clock is our kids' production, and then our 11.30 is going to be our loud Christmas. So uh, thanks for being with us. Be blessed as you go. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.